Section three of Benito Sereno. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Benito Sereno by Herman Melville. The visitor's curiosity was roused to learn the particulars of those mishaps which had brought about such absenteeism, with its consequences because, though deriving some inkling of the voyage from the whales which at the first moment had greeted him, yet of the details no clear understanding had been had. The best account would, doubtless, be given by the captain, yet at first the visitor was loath to ask it, unwilling to provoke some distant rebuff. But plucking up courage, he at last accosted Don Benito, renewing the expression of his benevolent interest, adding that did he, Captain Delano, but know the particulars of the ship's misfortunes, he would, perhaps, be better able, in the end, to relieve them. Would Don Benito favor him with the whole story? Don Benito faltered, then, like some somnambulist suddenly interfered with, vacantly stared at his visitor, and ended by looking down on the deck. He maintained this posture so long that Captain Delano, almost equally disconcerted, and involuntarily almost as rude, turned suddenly from him, walking forward to accost one of the Spanish seamen for the desired information. But he had hardly gone five paces, when with a sort of eagerness Don Benito invited him back, regretting his momentary absence of mind, and professing readiness to gratify him. While most part of the story was being given, the two captains stood on the after part of the main deck, a privileged spot, no one being near but the servant. It is now a hundred and ninety days, began the Spaniard, in his husky whisper, that this ship, well-officered and well-manned, with several cabin passengers, some fifty Spaniards in all, sailed from Buenos Aires, bound to Lima, with a general cargo, Paraguay tea and the like, and, pointing forward, that parcel of negroes, now not more than a hundred and fifty, as you see, but then numbering over three hundred souls. Off Cape Horn we had heavy gales. In one moment, by night, three of my best officers, with fifteen sailors, were lost with the main-yard, the spars snapping under them in the slings, as they sought, with heavers, to beat down the icy sail. To lighten the hull, the heavier sacks of mato were thrown into the sea, with most of the water-pipes lashed on deck at the time, and this last necessity it was, combined with the prolonged detentions afterwards experienced, which eventually brought about our chief causes of suffering. When... Here there was a sudden fainting attack of his cough, brought on, no doubt, by his mental distress. His servant sustained him, and drawing a cordial from his pocket, placed it to his lips. He a little revived, but unwilling to leave him unsupported, while yet imperfectly restored, the black with one arm still encircled his master, at the same time keeping his eye fixed on his face as if to watch for the first sign of complete restoration, or relapse, as the event might prove. 
the Spaniard proceeded, but brokenly and obscurely, as one in a dream. Oh, my God, rather than pass through what I have, with joy I would have hailed the most terrible gales, but... His cough returned, and with increased violence. This subsiding, with reddened lips and closed eyes, he fell heavily against his supporter. His mind wanders. He was thinking of the plague that followed the gales, plaintively sighed the servant. My poor, poor master, wringing one hand and with the other wiping the mouth. But be patient, senor, again turning to Captain Delano. These fits do not last long. Master will soon be himself. Don Benito, reviving, went on. But as this portion of the story was very brokenly delivered, the substance only will here be set down. It appeared that after the ship had been many days tossed in storms off the Cape, the scurvy broke out, carrying off numbers of the whites and blacks. When at last they had worked round into the Pacific, their spars and sails were so damaged and so inadequately handled by the surviving mariners, most of whom were become invalids, that, unable to lay her northerly course by the wind, which was powerful, the unmanageable ship for successive days and nights was blown northwestward, where the breeze suddenly deserted her, in unknown waters, to sultry calms. The absence of the water-pipes now proved as fatal to life as before their presence had menaced it. Induced, or at least aggravated by the more than scanty allowance of water, a malignant fever followed the scurvy, with the excessive heat of the lengthened calm, making such short work of it as to sweep away, as by billows, whole families of the Africans, and yet a larger number proportionally of the Spaniards, including, by a luckless fatality, every officer on board. Consequently, in the smart west winds eventually following the calm, the already rent sails, having to be simply dropped, not furled at need, had been gradually reduced to the beggar's rags they were now. To procure substitutes for his lost sailors, as well as supplies of water and sails, the captain at the earliest opportunity had made for Baldivia, the southernmost civilized port of Chile and South America, but upon nearing the coast, the thick weather had prevented him from so much as sighting that harbor, since which period, almost without a crew, and almost without canvas, and almost without water, and at intervals giving its added dead to the sea, the San Dominic had been battledored about by contrary winds, inveigled by currents, or grown weedy in calms. Like a man lost in woods, more than once she had doubled upon her own track. But throughout these calamities, huskily continued Don Benito, painfully turning in the half-embrace of his servant, I have to thank those negroes you see, who, though to your inexperienced eyes appearing unruly, have indeed conducted themselves with less of restlessness than even their owner could have thought possible under such circumstances. Here he again fell faintly back. Again his mind wandered, but he rallied, and less obscurely proceeded. 
Yes, their owner was quite right in assuring me that no fetters would be needed with his blacks, so that while, as is wont in this transportation, those negroes have always remained upon deck, not thrust below, as in the guinea men, they have also, from the beginning, been freely permitted to range within given bounds at their pleasure. Once more the faintness returned, his mind roved, but recovering he resumed. But it is Babo here, to whom, under God, I owe not only my own preservation, but likewise to him chiefly, the merit is due of pacifying his more ignorant brethren, when at intervals tempted to murmurings. Ah, master, sighed the black, bowing his face, don't speak of me, Babo is nothing, what Babo has done was but duty. Faithful fellow! cried Captain Delano. Don Benito, I envy you such a friend. Slave I cannot call him. End of section 3